0: well hello everybody welcome it's Valentine's day I don't know how that makes you feel some of you' are like this is awesome I love love and some of you're like I'm not so sure I, it, it brings back feelings to me when I was in high school and uh, you would send these candy grams out you know like you pay 25 cents they'd stick a, a lollipop to it and send it around and I would I would spend a whole bunch of money and send them out and it turns out that I was sending these candygrams to girls who didn't understand simple English. Here's specifically what I meant. They didn't know all their vowels. They didn't know them all. I mean, they certainly knew that the A existed and the E existed and the O and the U existed, but they didn't know that I existed. (laughs) That's bad Valentine humor. Anyway, God bless you, glad that you're here today. Remember, like and share this, it helps get the word out and we are certainly trying to help relationships in this brand new message series we're starting today called Specs and Planks, Specs and Planks. I hope uh, you're writing notes, take it down because I really truly believe the things that we have to share over the next three weeks, including today, will absolutely help any kind of relationship that you have because we all have relationships and you may love them, Or you may hate them, but you have them. And here's the truth we were designed for relationship. Believe it or not, when you were created in your mother's womb, the Lord God put the Imago Dei in you. The Imago Dei is the image of God. So he implanted the image on you, and God exists in relationship. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the three of them exist together in perfect relationship. And so we were. Designed when the Omago Dega put on us also for a relationship. We go longing to be loved and to love, to be known and to know. That's relationship. We are certainly better together. So, as a result of that, you can believe two things. In any kind of relationship, whether it's a friendship, a working relationship, a marriage, a mother in law, son in law, relationship, uh, historically seems to be a tough one. I don't know why. Maybe we ought to stop saying that. But here are two very important true things when it comes to relationships. Number one, there is a plan for relational success, relational victory that is given to us by the designer of all life. That designer of all life is the Lord Almighty. But, and we have to be wary of this, there is also a plan for relational failure that's given to us by the destroyer of life. The devil, your adversary, is his name. So what I wanna talk to you today about uh, this three-week series we're starting starts today with this simple concept. That's the message title for today. It is do this first. And I just gotta stop here and say, this is the message, the last message I preached before we went into COVID reality. I already preached this message once, but I said, Lord, is it okay to say it again? He's like, the people need to hear it again. Of course, there's always changes and things that are different, but it's just kind of neat to return to where we were, and to go forward, claiming in the name of Jesus all kinds of relationships. So today we begin again with this message, do this first. And I'm just going to say it right from the very beginning. What do you need to do first? Well, the key to every healthy relationship is one word, introspection, introspection. And here's the truth, most people don't do it. Most people will not introspect. Introspection simply means it's the examination of one's own mental and emotional state. And you can even throw in their physical state like, man, am I hungry? Because if I'm hungry, I may become hangry, right? Or if I got a headache, I may treat people poorly. Introspection is examining one's own state of being. So let's do a case study to begin. Just for a moment, imagine you were at the grocery store and you see a man and he is berating a child. And he's like wagging his finger and he's just up in the kid's face like you're a terrible kid. And I, every time I bring you to the store, you act this way. And he just, he's just griping at him. Let me ask you this question What would you think of the man? Just, just ponder that for a moment. Okay, I see this man. He's like super up in this kid's face, just crushing this kid's spirit. What would you think of that man? You got it in there? Okay, now let's continue our case study. If that same man, saw you in the grocery store, and you were berating a child, now what would you want that man to think of you? How would you want him to see you, and what thoughts would you think that would be populating his mind? I want to introduce you to a powerfully profound, but a very simple concept that I learned from a great leadership writer. His name is Patrick Lencioni, and it's in his book, The Advantage. And this advantage, by the way, is the advantage to people who have really great, really healthy relationships. Now, here's what he taught me. It is the fundamental attribution error, the FAE, the fundamental attribution error. When, here's, what, here's what the FAE uh, kind of teaches us. It says, when I see someone else do something wrong, I attribute it to internal factors. I attribute it to that person's character. When I see them doing something wrong, I say, man, something's wrong with that person. When I do something wrong, I tend to attribute it to my external factors, my environment, or my to-do list. So the dad's scolding a kid in the grocery store, man, well, he must be a bad man. But if I'm scolding a kid in the grocery store, it's because I had a long day, I'm hungry, and this is just a bad kid, and, and the kid deserved it. That's the fundamental attribution error, and it is a relationship killer. I believe it comes from the enemy of our souls. It's that plan that he has to destroy relationships, the one who hates relationships. So, what the FAE, the fundamental attribution error, ends up saying is like, hey, I'm fine. I'm not the issue, but you are. It's internal to you, it's external to me. I'm not the problem. You're the problem. So, how do we get rid of Fundamental attribution error. Vincione says that we need to get soul naked in order to eliminate fundamental attribution error. Soul naked. Bearing the truth of who we are by digging deep and finding out really what's going on in here. And that, my friends, is the one thing most people don't do. They're not willing to do. And that because of that, it becomes the number one reason that relationships hurt, or even worse, relationships end up. Failing. By the way, the advantage in Lencioni's The Advantage is health. People who are healthy have incredible relationships, and that health comes from transparency, like just being vulnerable about what I'm walking through and what's going on with me. And if I can be transparent, I'm healthy. But transparency only comes from introspection. It's the first thing. Do this first. You can't be transparent if you don't know your soul. And you can't be healthy if you're not transparent. So again, the key to healthy relationships is, say the word, introspection. Or maybe you just type it in there, introspection. Hit the like button, send it out to somebody. Well, I want you to show you in scripture what Jesus says about introspection. He said it first, right? Nothing new is under the sun. Every good thing came from God. So in the gospels, in the book of Matthew, In the seventh chapter, we're going to read what may be a very familiar verse to you, and maybe it's the first time you're hearing this. Matthew chapter seven, verses three to five. This is what Jesus says. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Jesus says this. You hypocrite. First, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Praise be to God for his word and his wisdom. It's going to help us today with our relationships. If your marriage is hurting, apply Matthew chapter 7. If you got a coworker at, uh, at at work that's driving you nuts, apply Matthew chapter 7. Any relationship, do this. Now, just a few notes. Number one, Jesus isn't saying that your brother or sister, whoever it is, doesn't have issues. He's he's not saying like, it's okay to enable. Just look the other way, pretend that nothing's happening, don't address it. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he is saying is that there is an order to addressing it. Before you address them, address you. That's the order. Let me say it again. Before you address anybody else, the first thing you've got to do is address you. And Jesus makes a big deal about it. I mean, look at the comparison that he uses in here. He says a speck, which I'm thinking like Dr. Seuss, the Whovilles or whatever those tiny, 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 tiny little things are, that little speck versus a massive plank of wood. Jesus is saying your issue is way bigger than theirs. Why? Why would he say that? Like, well, actually, no, their issue is bigger than mine, God. They've, they're really messing up. Well, here's why God says that. Our planks, when they're in our eye, give us a distorted view. We can't possibly comprehend what's going on in our brother with impaired vision. Imagine the ophthalmologist. You know who that is? That's the doctor for your eyes. Imagine he's the one prescribing the remedy for your eyesight all the while having blurry vision, him or herself. Like, I don't know if I can trust what you just prescribed because your eyes are bugging out, right? Or imagine me giving you fashion advice. You'd be like, hey, check yourself. And that's exactly what this message is about. Introspection, check yourself. Jesus wants us to work on ourselves more than we work on others, or at least before we work on others, so that when we finally do work on others, we can see clearly and are actually helpful and not harmful. Let me kind of show you what I mean here. I got I got a plank right over here. I'm going to grab it right here. So I see, <laughs> how does that look? I see that there is an issue in your life and I want to come deal with it. But the problem is my plank is distorting my view. I can't see fully what's going on in you because I got this plank in my eye. I mean, it looks weird as even I'm holding it. The plank itself, I can even see that. So like, I'm trying to address you, but I see my own issues. I'm trying to address you, but I got distorted vision. And not only that, I'm trying to address you, but I can't really come close to you because my plank is preventing intimacy. And I'm not talking about physical intimacy between a husband and a woman. woman. I'm talking about just relational intimacy. How do I have any right to come and talk intimately to you about something that's going on in your life. When I got this thing, it's going to whack you in the head as I'm talking to you. Yeah, I want to talk to your issue. Whap! I want to talk about what's going on. Bing. It just doesn't work. So Jesus says, get rid of the plank. And then once you've gotten rid of the plank, you can get close. It's no longer obstructing your vision. It's not what you see. You know? you can draw close to the person and really speak the truth and love to them. I, I, I want to help you identify some planks that may be inhibiting your ability to have great relationships, to have great conversations. And the way to identify and remove these planks is introspection by looking and seeing, oh my goodness, do I have some planks? Are they jutting out of my eyeball and whacking people on the head as I'm trying to have relationship with them? Because if so, it's harming the relationship. So let's do this first before we do anything else. So let me just pause here. The next two weeks, next week, Pastor George is preaching, which I'm super excited about, but he's going to be talking about what happens when somebody wrongs me. How do I how do I live? What do I do? And then the week after that, I'm gonna preach on what happens when I've wronged somebody else. But before we deal with either of those two things, we've got to get rid of the planks. We've got to deal with the planks. To do that, we have some introspection to do. So I've made a list of five helpful introspective questions that help us remove the plank as Jesus told us to do. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly. So these questions are meant to help you remove the plank from your eyes. So here's the first helpful introspective question. What am I blind to? What what, what am I blind to? What do I don't even know that's going on in my life because I simply can't See it. Now I love all of you out there, but I'm gonna call some of you out right now. Uh you're a tone-deaf singer. Anyone just want to go ahead and say, Yeah, that's me. You're standing in a front row and you're singing your head off, and not one single note that you sing actually matches up with what's being sung from stage or coming through the radio. You're just like, blah, now hey, listen to me. The Lord says, make a joyful noise. So any noise you're making is pleasing to the Lord, but it's Interesting to note that a tone deaf singer won't know that they are tone deaf. You know why? Because they're tone deaf. They can't hear that they're off, right? So they need to ask this helpful introspective question to say, Am I missing? Do I sound funny? Do my notes match up with anybody else? Now, as for you and I, what we can do is we can just get into a quiet space and ask God this question Lord, what am I blind to? What's oozing out of me? What's coming out of my mouth? What's coming out of my body language that I don't even see? And then here's the key. Be quiet and listen. Holy Spirit, instruct me. Show me what I'm blind to. And I need to tell you that the the Lord in that moment is a mirror to you. You know when you get a haircut and they put the mirror behind your head because you can never see back here? This is what I mean. The Lord is showing you things that you cannot see. And I want to tell you, sometimes the best introspection is a mirror for someone to show you what it is that you have not seen. But let me be very clear. Introspection can be a mirror, but not any mirror. Not any mirror. Because sometimes we can't even evaluate ourselves because of our own planks. If I'm viewing the world through a broken viewpoint, guess what? I will also view myself in that same viewpoint. I need to see myself as others actually see me because perception is reality. You may be thinking you're putting out something else, but everyone else is perceiving you as like, uh, 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 you are coming across a certain way, but if you are evaluating that way from a broken viewpoint, even the view you have of yourself is distorted. So make sure you use the right member, especially don't use a fun house mirror. You remember those mirrors you stand in front and they kind of, Distort your body image, or make you tall, or skinny, or short and squatty, or bendy, or whatever. What you see in those funhouse mirrors will not be reality. You're gonna sound. It's gonna sound like I'm ganging up on this, but social media happens to be one of those funhouse mirrors. It's a fake image, not reality for most people. What you're seeing of other people, and even what you're putting out, is not true reality. It's distorted by comparison. Oh my goodness. So. The only true mirrors, not funhouse mirrors, the ones that are actually helpful are the Holy Spirit who we need to sit and say, hey, Holy Spirit, show me. What am I blind to? The other mirror is the Bible. As you read it, it reads you, and it highlights into your spirit where you are walking deeply with the Lord, and it's edifying and encouraging, and then sometimes it is convicting, like, oh my goodness. I am missing the mark in this area, but thanks be to God for his grace and mercy. I have an opportunity to correct that. So listen to the Holy Spirit as a mirror. Listen to the Bible. They work together, by the way, as a mirror. And finally, you can use a mirror that's called a Bible-believing, Holy Spirit-immersed, healthy, introspecting person meaning there are people that are walking with the Lord who are aware of their own plagues. They're seeking the Lord to remove their own plagues and then boldly with love, they come to you and speak to you life, what they see about what's going on in your life and what they're hearing from the Lord about what's going on in your life. For me, those people are my wife, my kids, the elders of this church, the community group that we get to be a part of. They help me see what I'm blind to because they love me. They've removed their planks and they're saying, hey man, let's talk about this. You're stinking over here. Your backside's flapping out over here. Your haircut's weird in the back. They're they're talking to me and it's so helpful. So ask the Lord what you're blind to. The second helpful introspective question is this. Do my feelings match God's feelings? Well, what do I mean by that? Matthew chapter five, we read, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, Jesus is speaking, tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that they may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes a sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Verse 47, he goes on and says, and if you greet only your people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Verse 48, he finishes, he says, be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. When I'm asking the question, do your feelings match God's feelings? I'm saying, do your feelings for that person match God's feelings for that person? It was about a year ago at this time that Pastor Drew East was in a staff meeting and he was saying, man, I just gotta confess that I I get these negative thoughts for a person or I get anger towards a person. And then he said, but God has given me a cure. And his face lights up and he's like, it's, it's amazing. And so really, I I just want to share with you this cure. This is what the Lord said to him. Drew, this is what the Lord says to all of us. Why don't you ask me what I feel about that person? (laughs) Suddenly, if you're open to hearing from the Lord, there's an overwhelming sense of how awesome that this person truly is and how great we can feel about that person because of how great God feels about that person. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five that the longing of Jesus's heart is that your enemy and those that persecute you will call God their father, meaning that even your enemies will be turned to be Christ followers. Our friend Seth and Never Ready, Some of you might remember them from a few years ago. They came and sang at our uh, Servant Leader Appreciation Night. You shine. Uh, They sang this song. When I look into the eyes of my enemy, I see my brother. I see my brother. That's the perspective, matching our feelings to God's feelings. And in the end, the best thing to do is to pray a blessing over that person that in the relationship you feel you might have an adversarial position with. And your heart will start to match God's heart because I guarantee you this, God wants blessings for that person. God wants love to come on that person. So, so you should as well. And by the way, this is the good news for all of us. Sometimes you are that person and sometimes I've been that person. So instead of being angry and mad and hateful toward me, just for a moment, think, God, what do you think of Pastor Tim? I'm gonna match my heart to, to Tim's, uh, To excuse me, to to your vision and your love for Tim. Thanks be to God. Thanks for his grace. Number 3. The third question, am I reacting or responding? Pastor George is going to dive into this a little bit more next week, but I wanted to just tip the toe in the water. In the Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1, we see a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Can I read that again? A gentle answer, so responding turns away wrath, but a harsh word reacting, stirs up anger. Then verse two says, a funny verse, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Kind of a strange statement, but here's what it means. My tongue clothes, puts clothes on to knowledge. So like as knowledge comes out of my mouth, I'm clothing it and I get to choose what kind of clothing I'm putting on. On that knowledge. What the writer of Proverbs is referring to is this what you say is not as important as how you say it. If I deliver the greatest of wisdom in the rudest of manners, I have acted as a fool before, uh, because even great wisdom delivered wrongly or harshly or dispassionately is folly. However, if I clothe, adorn that wisdom in love and grace, well, then I've actually won my brother or sister over. Granted, by the way, just as a side note, if someone does speak wrongly to you, a mature person, a healthy person will do this old thing. You've heard this said, we want to eat the meat and spit out the bones, right? In other words, we want to hear the wisdom despite the poor delivery. That's what a mature person would do. But Since we're talking about you and you introspecting, you, the speaker, make sure that the importance of what you have to say is matched by how you say it. And here's the key to that there's two ways we can normally say stuff you can be reactive or responsive. I can react or respond. And when you're taking some introspection, you need to ask yourself, Am I reacting or responding? Reactions happen to be manifestations of my hurts, my habits. My hangups. So if there's junk in there, when I'm mad and responding, excuse me, reacting, it's just going to come out of me like a smokestack of toxicity. The other person in relationship just gets vomited on with my anger and all my unresolved issues in here. But if I'm responding, what I'm responding from is the meditations that I've had on the truth on which I've grounded my life. This truth that I am to be a light in the darkness. That the fruit of the spirit lives in me, and so I'm going to respond in a way that matches the fruit of the spirit. Here's a little test. This is a really minor one. If somebody walks up to you and say, "Hey, man, you got broccoli in your teeth," or "Hey, excuse me, lady, there's there's a big hunk of broccoli in your teeth," is your immediate thought to react like, "Oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed," or or maybe pry like, "Dude, what about your teeth?" I mean, yeah, maybe I got some broccoli in mine, but look at your teeth. I mean, that's Reacting, insecurity, uh, embarrass—all this kind of stuff. That's you're just reacting. But if you wanted to respond instead, you'd be like, "Hey, you know what? This person loves me. It's no big deal. It's just a piece of broccoli. I mean, I'm just saving it there for later." Or, "Hey, thank you. Would you help me? You want to use your fingers and get the broccoli? No, that would be gross. Anyway, but that's a response. Like, it's all right. It's no big deal. This is my. This is somebody that loves me. When I have not been." introspective, it typically puts me in a position to react instead of responding. My flesh is going to come out and you're going to see that thing instead of responding out of the truth and grace of Almighty God. Here's number four. We only got five of these, so keep following along with me. Am I a control freak? That's an introspective question. And when it comes to relationships, what it means is, do I force those I'm in relationship with to only live by my terms? You need to conform to me. You need to adhere to me. This is how I am, and everything needs to revolve around the way that I like to be doing things. That's a control freak, and you need to introspect about that. Here's a pretty long piece of scripture, but every word of it is so important. In the book of Philippians that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, we read in chapter two these words. Verse three says, Do nothing, nothing, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Here's the key to it all. Rather, In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but I'm going to look to each of you the other interest of the other person. In your relationships with one another, Jesus says, "Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, Jesus made Himself nothing by taking the very nature." This is amazing. Jesus submitted what he wanted to the will of the Father. Like he had his own desires, like, hey, I don't want to leave heaven. It's amazing here, it's incredible. And I don't want to die on a cross. How about that, God the Father? But in the end, he says, I'm looking to the needs of others. First to my Father, who says, hey, we want to restore humanity to relationship with us. So you need to go. And then he's looking at the needs of us, even. Wow, these people need to be restored to relationship with their heavenly Father. So he didn't consider his own interests as of the highest value, but the interests of others. Jesus did that. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo yourselves in honoring one another. <laughs> Ephesians five twenty one says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're not just going to do this my way but I'm gonna understand your way and you're gonna understand my way. And in some way, we're going to reach in the middle and have this beautiful, wonderful relationship. Now, let me just take a little side note here for a second. This is for all relationships, but I wanna to talk to husbands and wives just briefly because this is a big deal. Can I, can I talk about physical intimacy here? Right here in the middle of this message. Whose path in your marriage do you usually walk down to get to a place of physical intimacy? If one person's like, no, this is the only way that we end up having physical intimacy. You, you got to jump through these six hoops and do these nine things, and then we end up physical intimacy. And the other person over here, like, well, we, we never walk down the path that I desire. We, we always and only walk down your path. Just take a moment to be introspective and ask yourself, am I a control freak? Do I need to look towards the other's interest above my own? That's just a little sidestep. By the way, if you're watching this and your marriage, I'm talking to you, you're married, we have a marriage conference coming up. Please, at the end of service, go to Connect. I'll say this again at the end of service. You can sign up for the marriage conference. It is going to be absolutely powerful. But in regards to this, let's make sure to not look towards our own interests in relationships. What does the other person need from me right now? And I'm, I'm going to go to them and I'm going to meet their needs and build up the relationship. Here's the last question. If the first question was the most important one, then this one might be the most meaningful question. Do I love myself? Like introspect, think, do I actually love this me? Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5 verse 14, the entire law, everything that we read in here is fulfilled in one single decree. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. If you were to take all of us and say, what what am I supposed to do? The Lord God says to us, well, go and love your neighbor as yourself. And if we are supposed to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, what happens if I don't love myself? You can't really love your neighbor more than you love yourself so when you have this relationship going on and you don't love yourself it becomes a huge plank trying to relate out of an empty place an insecure place and when you're empty or insecure this plank that's hitting other people in the head usually comes from you being too needy or too defensive because i've got to re- got got to defend myself i i i got to protect this insecurity that i have so we need to love ourselves. And by the way, I'm not talking about narcissistic like arrogance. I love me so me. Yeah, man, I'm the man. Rather, to love yourself is to humbly recognize that you're a child of God. He created you specifically with great worth, great purpose, with great detail, and you matter intensely to the Father of lights, the Lord our God. Now, I have a few questions to ask you to introspect this right here right now to begin your process of introspection. And I want you to take note of your answers. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just there in your room, or maybe just in your spirit, if one of these is true of you, and that matters in the end. So please pay attention. Here we go. Let's just inspect internally, introspect. Here we go. Number one, do I consider myself tattered, damaged goods, because of something that has happened to me in the past? If the answer is yes, then in some way, raise your hand. Yeah, man, that's me. I'm not sure that I love myself because of something that's happened to me. I feel like I'm just a messed up piece of something. Here's a second question. Have I forgiven myself? Something you have done in your life that you think is too awful for you to ever be considered worthy of love or lovable again, and you've never forgiven yourself. Have you ever forgiven yourself? If the answer is no, no, I haven't forgiven myself yet, I want you to raise your hand. That's me. Just go ahead and note it. You're introspecting. You're taking stock of what's in here. Number three, have I embraced my God-given identity? The devil's number one job is to give you an identity crisis to tell you aren't who you are, a beloved child of God. But have you embraced that you are an heir to the throne of Jesus Christ? Have you embraced that God-given identity? Again, if the answer is no, then you're raising your hand. Like, yeah, that's me. Two more. Am I believing lies that others have said about me? Somewhere along the way, words were spoken over you that have stuck with you through and through. You'll never be this. You'll never measure up. Uh, you're just a pile of bling, 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 whatever they want to say, if you're still believing those lies, then the answer for you is yes to this question. I just want you to raise your hand, acknowledge it. We're just doing introspective. Yeah, okay, that's going on in my life. Here's the last one. Do I believe I'm worthy of Jesus' love? Do I believe that I'm actually worthy of the sacrifice that he made on the cross for me? think of that for a moment. If you answer that question with a no, no, I'm I'm not sure that I'm worthy, then you too want to raise your hand. All right, so let's do some business with God now. If you raised your hand to any of those questions, would you consider right now in this moment to let God change that answer for you today? I mean, it's Valentine's Day. Why not let the Lord love on you right here And right now. So, what I want you to do there, wherever you're at, is just simply get into a posture of prayer in a place, whatever that looks like for you. There's no religious form. You don't have to do something because somebody told you to do something, but you need to position your body to receive from the Lord, to receive his forgiveness, his love, his mercy, and his love letters, his words that he would speak over you in this moment. Maybe you position your hands like this, maybe you're kneeling. You could be laying down. You might be standing up, arms extended, whatever it looks like. Get in that place. Let me just pray for you. Father, in the great name of Jesus, I come to you on behalf of all of those who have raised their hand to any of these questions, believing in the full sincerity of my heart that this whole service has been for them to feel the embrace and the touch of your almighty love, even right here, right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we cancel any and every lie that's been spoken over their lives, even if they've spoken it to themselves. For those that feel tattered and damaged goods, I speak the words of life over you where Jesus himself says, behold, I make all things new. He also says that, that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And as you are sitting there receiving, just imagine the Lord not restoring you, But renewing you, not taking the old things and spit shining them up a little bit, but actually reforming in you the very newness of God. And if you're there and you need to hear the love letters of God, then just receive these words You are my child. You are my beloved. I see you. I see what you've had to walk through. I understand the pain and I understand why you ended up. Where you are, but take my hand. Feel my hands upon your face, lifting your gaze as I look into your eyes to say, Follow me, my child. Walk with me into newness of life. Embrace your identity as a son or daughter. And know, no, know, know this. You're worthy of my love. Every bit of my love. Father, I thank you that you are mending hearts that you're giving us restored vision, restored hope. And Lord, as we dive into relationships here in this series, I pray for every person that's watching, God, that you would speak to them that whatever we thought was impossible before with a relationship, it's too far gone, there's too much hate, there's too much hurt. Lord, forgive us for thinking that because you are the God of the impossible and you can restore everything that has been stolen. We believe it and agree to it and lend our minds and hearts and our bodies to it. We're going to be working on this over the next few weeks, and we wanna do your kingdom work in regards to our, our relationships. We bless you and thank you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks for joining us for week one of Specs and Planks. Week two is gonna be amazing next week. I hope that you'll join us. Now, please, 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 please. It's very important. Head over to illuminate.church connect. We want to know if you're brand new, fill out a form, come and uh, let us know that you're here, but also you can sign up for that marriage conference. Please, your marriage is worth one day and $99. One day and $99 could buy you decades, decades of harmony and peace and thriving in your marriage. So please don't delay, don't ponder like, should we do that? Do it. In the name of Jesus, God bless you. See you next week.